Hello and welcome to Neither of the Time nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who and the Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood. My name is David and as always I'm joined by the, uh, help me out here Matt. Semi-skimmed. Semi-skimmed Matt. Hello there. Um, uh, hello, yes. Um, couldn't think of a good word for this, uh, for this episode. I, I, I was going to go with nostalgic and then I remembered that I Pretty sure I did that last episode, so um, yeah. yeah, had to improvise there. But uh, yeah, this week, listeners, we're talking about the temptation of Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah, I don't want to tip my hat too early, but yeah, uh, well, we'll see how we feel later. Uh, no, we'll have things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll we'll definitely have stuff to discuss. So. Um, but before we get there, Matt, uh, how have the last couple of weeks treated you? Uh, very well, very well. Although, good, I've been consumed with a quest. Right. So you, you know, like in the Bible, where people get visions from the Lord, and they don't really know what it means, but they've just got to pursue something. Well. I don't really know how it's come to me, David, but I, I'm on a quest to find the perfect teapot. <laughs> right, okay. okay. So I normally come home from work, make myself a cup of tea, and immediately regret that I don't have more tea. So I, I'm on the hunt for a perfect teapot, and this week I think I found it, but foolishly Ooh, do didn't tell. buy it. And now I'm absolutely consumed with regret. Mm. Well, okay. Well, uh, tell me about this teapot. Where did you find it? What okay. are its unique charms? Uh, so I, I, I've been to literally every department store uh, you could. Um, in fact, I'm going to send you a picture of it. Uh, right. But then this week, because my partner's having a bit of development work done on her kitchen... Uh, we mm. went out for dinner this week. Normally, I go to hers for dinner one night a week, but we went to the designer outlet at York. Which right, it, it, it's posh, isn't it? It's posh. It is. I've only been there the once. It is posh. Yeah. So I, I don't even know how to pronounce this. There's like a brand of kitchenware. I think it's pronounced Le Cruyer or Le Crusade. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, well, they make yeah, a perfect the teapot, yeah. and I'm sending you a picture of it now, David. Like, mm. I don't know. This is the teapot that came to me in my dreams. And yeah, I've, I've looked. It's a nice it. one. Yeah. So it's it's got a sort of um, a sort of sunburst finish to it. Yeah. It's it, it, um, it's, uh, quite... it's volcanic. That's the color scheme. Mm-hmm. It is cylindrical, um, in nature. Uh, it's got a good generous handle on it. Quite quite a stumpy um spout, I'd say. Yeah, like it's I, not uh, it's I, I, I didn't want to go for like a round spherical teapot. Mm. Just yes, and the uh, the description here is that, that that it's um enameled stoneware. Now, shall I tell you what's most interesting about that, Matt? Go on. Is that I'm pretty sure my partner and I have got the kettle that matches that teapot. Oh, because I, I need a milk jug. 
I've worked mm. it all out. I'm getting the milk jug. Yeah, we've oh, we've got man. we've got when when our when our last electric kettle died, we basically said to each other, "Look, we are sick of having cheap electric kettles that are great for for six months and then develop a, a strange leak when you pour them or um, are too noisy or you know just." one thing after another and and you know they sit there taking up space on on the work surface and so we decided we'd get ourselves a really attractive stovetop kettle and that's what we did we spent far more money than we would normally spend on a new kettle but with the, with the idea that you know unlike it's unlike your forever kettle a, an electric kettle it's a, it's our forever kettle yeah yeah, we, we are hoping that we will still be using that same kettle long into retirement. Um, and it has the exact same uh, colour scheme and finish on it. Oh, nice. And, it's, and it is also La Crusette, so, uh, yeah, pretty sure it right. is the, Let, the companion piece. Let's, let's ensure that we're both mentioned in one another's wills. If you go first, I get the kettle. If I go first, you get the teapot. <laughs> Seems like a good deal. We have two teapots, which, to be honest, is All right, bloody two more teapots that we Calm need. Down. <laughs> they both, they both just were gifted to us. We've never, we don't have much call for teapots. Is the thing. If I'm making a cup of tea, I'm just sticking the bag in the cup and being done with it. You know, no, it, but it's like rare if, I, if that I'm, I'm watching I want a be... film and I want tea, yeah. I don't want to get up and like interrupt myself. If I'm watching the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, you know, I mean, there is a logical intermission between episodes, but you there know is. me, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> um, the, I think the thing is, for me, one cup of tea is fine. You know, I, it, it's rare that I would find myself mid-film be like, you know what, I really need another cup of tea straight away. I can't just wait until the film's over. Um. But yeah, no, I I get the principle. Basically, for me, for us, teapots is something that only really happens when, on the rare occasion that we have uh, guests round, um, and as I say, on those occasions, we've got a choice between uh, a sort of charmingly rustic brown teapot, or an entirely unnecessary novelty teapot in the shape of a jar of marmite. Oh. I think I've just discovered the new perfect teapot. Yeah, I, I think you can still get them. I mean, it's it's got all the branding. It's got you know the 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 lid of the teapot's yellow, like a like a proper marmite jar. Um, it does you know, it's it's certainly it's it's really amusing to look at. Yeah. And, and it it functions as intended. Than a one as well. Oh, I don't know though. I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe a little bit, but uh, they're unavailable on Amazon. You know. So. Well, there you go. Right. Anyway, that, well, that's a good solid seven minutes on teapots. <laughs> How's your week been? <laughs> uh, it's been all right. If you um, say you're um, in the market for a toaster, we can kill another ten minutes. <laughs> Sadly, not toasters. Fine. Um, well, I say fine. It does the job. So it's a four slicer. It was given to to me by my mum. She decided she was going to get a new toaster. Gave us the old one. Four slicer. 
Yeah. Oh, man, you're living in my dream kitchen. I mean, to be fair, there are three of us in this house. It's quite practical having a four slicer at this point. I know, but, like, I've got uh, two slicer. Here we go. We're deep into toaster chat. <laughs> so that, that's, only one, that's only one toasted tea cake at a time. Yeah. That's, that's really... It, it does slow you down, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you in your bloody bourgeois kitchen. <laughs> Um, anyway, I'm trying to think what I can even tell you about this uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, largely uneventful. Um, I think I've alluded cryptically in the past that, um, you know, there's stuff going on in my life at the moment. Um, it's important it's... we say you're safe and well. We keep saying oh, oh there's yes. stuff going on. Like, yeah, yeah. You're not on death's door. Well, no, we're all safe and well and happy. It's just... It's just... Life admin. It's yeah, a, a, a huge amount of life admin, and um, it is rather dominating proceedings. And basically, this year, I mean, this year was going to be was bound to be a year of enormous change, regardless, because uh, little Zorbs is starting school in September. Can you believe that, Matt? I know. I know. Yeah, I can't wait. It's only going to be like quick. what ten years, and he'll be coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so basically, that's that's kind of dominating everything at the moment for us. And and uh, um, oh, I'll tell you what we did do today. Today we went to visit Thornaby Henges. Okay. Have you have you um, been aware of this? It's been in the news recently. No. Um, basically, it's um some ancient Neolithic earthworks that were quite recently um, returned from... Uh, they were they were owned by Tarmac, you know, um, Tarmac Company, mm-hmm. who um, that have, have a, have a uh, presence out um, in, in, in the sticks near us. And... Uh, they yeah they owned the land that the, that these hedges were sat on, um, and there'd been a lot of concern that they were going to end up just slowly creeping into actually digging them up basically, and uh, you know, u- using them for <laughs> using the land for gravel production, which is what they do in the surrounding fields and things. Um, but anyway, they have finally been returned to uh, the purview of uh, English heritage. Oh. And so they've stuck a couple of signs up and you can go and have a little poke around now. So that's what we did today. Um, Everyone gets... uh, There's been some slightly hysterical coverage in the media uh, sort of referring to it as, you know, the Stonehenge of the North of England and stuff like that. And it's... I feel like that's slightly over-egging it because whilst it is interesting, basically it's a series of three linked hinges, uh, two of which now are publicly accessible. One still remains in private ownership and is overgrown with trees. Um, but the two that are accessible are are really interesting. And sig- like, y- y- when you walk into them, you're like, oh, you can tell people have been here, that this isn't naturally occurring. This is far too... Uh, precise in its arrangement. Um, but at the end of the day, unlike, say, Stonehenge or a lot of, or, or, you know, 
name, name a stone circle. Uh, it, it, you know, it's just some mounds of earth. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not. It doesn't quite have the impact of say uh, Stonehenge or Avebury or Castle Rig or or uh, or even the nearby Devil's Arrows. Yeah. Um, but but still, it's it is kind of. It was fascinating to visit, and you know, there's a there's a vibe to it. It's worth popping along to, I would say, cool. if you're in the area. No, well, um, we went for a big walk yeah. today, but we just did Yearsley Woods again. Ah, nothing wrong with that. No, it was lovely. Mm. Um, no, I don't think I've got anything else to sort of like. There's it's um. It's not a lot on at the moment, is there? No. It's not... I, I feel like... It's just... I feel like... Post... I don't know. We, 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 we had the immediate post-pandemic period, which was everyone getting very giddy and excited about just being allowed out of the house again. Yeah. And, and that has now died away. And we're just left with... I think a lot of people are just kind of... Very tired and 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 uh, and dealing with some low key mental health crises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah, on a, on a uh, that's my. Mood, should we move on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I suppose. <laughs> um, do you, what do you want to do? What 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 even do we do at the moment? We got we got uh, the, we got meal uh, of the music. Ch- We've got. Oh, that's yeah. besides the point. And then I've got some listener tweets. Okay, what, what do you want to start with, Matt? Uh, let, let's do meal, since we've talked teapots and okay. toasters. All right, I've just done a lot of talking, so you, you tell me what, what, what was your highlight. Um, if, if I had to pick it out, um, I don't know, I had a pretty nice pizza when we went to the designer outlet. Um, yeah, where did you go? Uh, we went to Pizza Express. You know, you know me. I, I like to play the part of Prince Andrew. Uh, my partner plays Princess <laughs> Eugenie, and we just go. Yeah. You know. Um, and 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 like and like Prince Andrew, famously, you can't sweat, can you? No, I'm absolutely burning up in here yeah. at the moment. It's like a sauna. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so we did Pizza Express. It was quite nice. I had a tikka paneer pizza. Mm. So it had like. Spice. Is that? Is that really a good idea? Well, like, it, it, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Was, I like tikka paneer. Yeah, it was basically. I like pizza. It was on like a big naan bread. It was just like. Ah. It was just like Indian sundries. So basically, what you're telling me is he went to Pizza Express and had a curry. <laughs> <laughs> the the only thing I did not have was curry. <laughs> like, um, I'm trying to think what else I've had that's quite nice. Um. I don't know. I took myself out. In fact, yesterday in in York, so I went for my haircut yesterday. Um, yeah. And my favourite coffee shop in York is called Spring Espresso, and mm-hmm. it, it's one like barista of the year and stuff. It's pretty well thought of. It's like one of York's mm-hmm. best kept secrets, and they do the right. best bacon sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So you get the option of tomato sauce, brown sauce. But, you know, people like me, people in the know, yeah. go for chilli jam. And, oh, my Ooh. word, it's sensational. Yeah. 
I might go for that, but that was I really could... antisocial because I went on my own and didn't want to talk to anyone. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, no shame in uh, treating yourself to a nice meal on your own. Yeah, my brother calls it master dating because mm. I basically take myself out for a date, but I do it on my own. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to do that when I get the opportunity, which, which happens fairly rarely these days, but mm. it's good. I recommend it. If you if you if you're listening and you've never tried it, try just going out on your own. Yeah, dinner Enjoy and a movie your company. on your own. Yeah, it's 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 good. I, I um, go to the cinema on my yeah. own all the time, and it's like my favourite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, you've never invited me. Uh, it's because you insist I keep my shoes on, and that's <laughs> the hell I'm willing to die on. <laughs> um. What was I going to say? Um, oh, so I need to tell you about my meal, don't I? Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to tell you this, Matt. And I'm going to leave it up to you as to, to make a judgment call on whether you think it's because I've had a fairly unremarkable couple of weeks of food or whether I just really, really like this one particular meal. If but you say all... glass of water again, we're cancelling the same. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I thought about that today it's, when I was thinking, what's my meal of the fortnight? It's it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Um, but genuinely, hand on heart, the best meal I had in the last couple of weeks um, was Friday night. Um, my partner got home late from... She's currently... She's, tr- she's juggling two jobs at the moment. Um, and uh, one of them's on like late shift. So she got in, it was around sort of half eight last night uh, um, on Friday night and so I made for us uh, beans on toast marmite on the toast <laughs> beans on toast but marmite on the toast yeah yeah, yeah so like I, I toast see, with marmite I, I could see that working like I know a lot of people put marmite in lasagna don't they have you have you never tried it Matt See, I like beans on toast with brown sauce and cheese. Ah, right. Okay. You see that? <sighs> I know people often pair beans on toast and cheese or even do like cheese on toast with a side of beans and things like that. I, I don't know what it is, but I can't get on board with um, with cheese in a beans on toast setting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's similar sort of principle of you introducing a third flavour. Yeah, brown, brown sauce. <laughs> you know, like yeah, elevates beans to the heavens. It it it, it certainly can do. It certainly can do. Um, but yeah. Anyway, um, so that's it. That gen- genuinely is the most the most uh, remarkable thing I've I've eaten know, in the last couple com- of weeks. Comforts. You know, it doesn't have yeah, to be big. Yeah, it was and pretty tough. good. And uh, you know what made it even better? Um, we, uh, whilst we were eating it, we watched uh, watched an episode of uh, Master Chef: The Professionals. Oh, lovely! There's, there's something I think supremely satisfying about eating the most basic, trashy food whilst watching someone, you know, whipping up a, a you know. A, uh, a a roast pigeon with confit pigeon leg, <laughs> and uh, in a red wine jus, nice. and what have you, all that master chef nonsense. Yeah, 
Food I've literally never eaten and never shall eat. Um, but I still enjoy watching other people cooking it under um, artificial time pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've really watched any TV this week. Like, on a Monday, I make a point of watching The Last of Us when I get home. Mm. And then this week, there was the new series of The Mandalorian I've watched. And other than that, like, I watched The Apprentice, but only for Alan Sugar's bad jokes. And that's it. <laughs> uh, so are you the reason they're still commissioning that show, though? Because I, I saw that it was on the other day, and I was like, good God, they're still making that yeah. somehow. I, I love watching arrogant, upper-class people fail. Oh, I can't stand it. I mean, yes, you get to watch them fail eventually, but but I just cannot bear to be in the presence of those kinds of people for any extended period of time, even if in in a sort of environment in which I am encouraged to mock them, mm. which of course you are in the Apprentice. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Now we haven't been watching a lot of TV either, um, though. Obviously, we're recording on a Sunday, so. Um, we did uh, what has... I, have I talked about this fairly recent but significant tradition that sprung up in our household of uh, Sunday Snuggle Club, as we no. like to call it? Ah, oh, Matt. I like the sound of it. Where's I've, my invite? It's good. It's good. You, you are no, no one is invited to Sunday Snuggle Club. I, I, I mean, this is for... the kindest way possible, David. But yeah. your body proportion, your silhouette, is designed for <laughs> snuggling. I'd I, I get all of that. <laughs> if I had to line all my friends up from most yeah. snuggable to least, you'd be first in the queue, my friend. <laughs> ah, well, that's very kind of you to say that. Um, so with Sunday Snuggle Club, the the, the the it's it's not a it's not a challenging uh, concept really. It's basically it's Sunday evening. Uh, little Zorbs gets to. St- to watch telly a bit, a little bit later than he normally would. Uh, we'll usually have something nice to eat on the sofa, which we don't normally eat on the sofa when uh, Little Zorbs is around. And uh, we get to watch some TV that's a little bit more grown up by Zorbs' standards. So we've been working our way through Hilda. Ah, oh, nice. Um, uh, which is good because, you know, it's it's super cute. Mossy. Shush. I'm in the middle of an anecdote. Um, it's super cute, but also, you know, a little bit spooky. And um, not something that I think he'd be comfortable watching on his own. But he really... And it's interesting because like he really sort of respects the sanctity of Sunday Snuggle Club. Like, he won't ask to watch Hilda at any other point. But when he knows it's the weekend, he'll, he'll, he'll ask us, you know, is it going to be Sunday Snuggle Club? And I'm like, yes. Yes, it will be. So um, we did that again this uh, this evening, and I cried my face off <laughs> at the, the uh, last episode we watched. Series 2, Episode 8, listeners, if you're wondering. Um, if, you, if you're if working your way through Hilda, be prepared for that. It's a, it's a tearjerker. Right. Wow. Right. Shall we move into the next of our famous segments? (laughs) Yes, I think we probably should. Uh, Which one do you want to do next? Let's do uh, that's besides the point, shall we? Okay. what have you been listening to this week? Oh, this week, Matt. 
this week um i've been hitting pretty hard a couple of albums that i believe came out last year by a swiss group called sonar um who've done a, a couple of collaborative albums with the guitarist david torn who isn't a household name but has he's one of those like producers and session musicians where if you look up his catalog you'll be like oh wow he's worked with them and them and them them." excuse me most notably he's he's uh he worked quite a lot with bowie in uh bowie's later years Mm -hmm. um really interesting guitarist and and what they do is um sonar are kind of (sighs) somewhere between sort of ambient math rock and jazz (laughs) if you can imagine such a thing these very very complex interlocking grooves that 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 have this almost like um yeah they kind of they 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 take you into another space because they're so repetitive and it's like minimalist but but still very complex and um i've enjoyed some of their earlier albums but the stuff they've been doing with david tornon as an additional musician where he has this very expressive fluid guitar style and that just overlaid on the sort of backing of this these very knotty grooves that that um sonar do makes for really really pleasing combinations so uh the two albums are it's uh transportation volumes one and two and that's t-r-a-n-c-e you see what they did there mm-hmm. um and yeah i think it's really good really good especially like if you want something that can work as either background music or music to listen to very actively and enjoy all the little details of it kind of works in both contexts um what about you matt um i've gone all the way back to the 80s this week Mm. um so i've been listening to a lot of rock set i got really into rock set um i don't think i've even heard of rock set should i have uh they sing it must have been love but it's over now Anyway, um, we'll move on. I don't yeah. Um I've also been listening to a lot of The Hooters. Are you familiar with The right. Hooters? I'm uh I'm not. I'm presuming this is different to uh the Hoots, who are of course the family of metal owls from the Claggers. Yep, different to them. But then <laughs> different so to it, them. it would have been them, probably, up until about Thursday this week, and this is where I go really sombre and sad. But oh, yeah. late this week, Steve Mackey died, uh, the bassist oh, he did, from yeah. Pulp. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think I've mentioned on pod before that, like, I really, really love Pulp. I nearly spent 300 yeah. quid on tickets to go see them this year. Uh, Cripes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I've been hitting Pulp pretty hard. Yeah. I like... <sighs> pulp are very much in the category of... When they're on, I'm like, oh yeah, I see why people like this. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever gone. I don't think I've ever like been like, right. I'm gonna sit down and listen to a pulp album. Yeah. If I were to, what would you suggest? What's their best? Well, everyone, everyone says different class is their best album. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. Like, 
early pulp is where the magic is. And late pulp, it just becomes something totally different, but equally as good. Uh, right. So, yeah, I'd say probably my favourite pulp song is uh, Disco 2000, which is from different class. So right. Listen to that this week. That's probably the, that's the starting point. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, right then. Do you want some listener tweets? I mean, once a strong word, isn't it? Da- that? David, I've refreshed listener tweets. I've changed the format. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. How have you changed it? Because I trialled this last week and I quite liked it. So this time I've gone listener tweets where they can just send us questions and it's nothing to do with Doctor Who or the episode we've watched. So I'm just, I was just like, if there's anything you want us to talk about, let us know. So, All right, fair enough. Do you want me to start at the bottom or the top of the list? Oh, let's go to the traditional top to bottom method, I think. Right, top to bottom. So we start with James Swifty Swift. Hello, James. Okay. Do I still have to say hello to everyone? Uh, I don't know. That's like an old format. We left that last year, don't we? We we change everything in January. Yeah. Can I just be exceptionally rude and not acknowledge anyone? <laughs> yeah. Odd get his name right. Like go. Hello, John. <laughs> right. Uh, so John Swift says, "I quite enjoyed the MCU chat this week. What about your favourite MCU films? Favourite characters?" Adaptations from a comic arc and stuff like that. So, David, oh, what's your favourite MCU film? Okay, uh, did, does 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 John want this podcast to be three hours long? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, first um, of all, we've got to say that your favourite, The Inhumans, is a series, not a film. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? Right, okay. I'll I'll try and keep this brief. Um I mentioned last time Love Me Some Ant Man. I've not watched I've not seen the new one yet, so no spoilers. Um but the first two I think are really solid and underappreciated. Shall I tell you what I think is the single most underrated film in the history of the MCU? Come on. It it is the first Thor film. People are really down on that film and I do not get why. Yeah, I think it's just because it's, like, old now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I like... I find I find it really comforting. And it was like, oh, Thor's so unlikable. And like, yes, that's literally the point, is that he, he starts out really arrogant and unlikable and he learns a bit of humility. And I kind of don't like that they almost rode back on that and now he's just back to just being a bit of an arrogant prick. An oblivious, arrogant prick at that in uh, the most recent one. So, um, yeah, I feel like it, it disappoints me when people dismiss out of hand the first Thor film. I thought it was... And, and also, I love that it's... I love that it does the fish-out-of-water humour stuff really well. And also, it feels high stakes, but it's not universe-level high stakes. It's literally just a big robot smashing up a small town in New Mexico. Um, and, right. and that's as big as it gets. If that's your favourite um, what film, about you? what's your favourite character? Oh, should we do my favourite film? 
Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't say it's a favourite, but an underappreciated one. Underappreciated. Um, I really, really, really liked, and it's not underappreciated, but I know a lot of people criticise the most recent Spider-Man film, and they were just like, the plot's rubbish, it's just Spider-Man meets Spider-Man, but that was good enough for yeah. me, I really like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Underappreciated. I quite like Doctor Strange. That was pretty good. I lo- that was if that would be my other pick for an underappreciated one. I'm gonna go way back, and it's not. Yeah. Even, I suppose it technically is MCU now. Spider Man Two. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's official MCU, but certainly they've made the connection now, haven't they? So yeah. there's no rowing back on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about favorite character? Oh. Didn't you say you really liked Hulk's weird little son from the end of She-Hulk? And you said you wanted your hair just like his. <laughs> okay. Um, favourite character, that is really tough. To match Hawkeyes. You got that weird mohawk mullet. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is my honest answer, and I know it's in some ways a super obvious one, but love me some Rocket. I love that little guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Um, weirdly, I really like Captain America, but I'm not American, so I'm not allowed to say that. Uh, no, I think you, I, I get that. I get that. You know, he's... For that entire sort of first saga, he is he is the heart and soul of it, isn't it? You take Captain America I, out I'm, of that, and you basically don't have... It doesn't work. I'm going to take a yeah. left of centre approach and say Daredevil. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like look. I like the concept of Daredevil. I've enjoyed some of what I've read of Daredevil comics, which isn't enough to be honest. But and I like the first. I like the first series of uh, the Netflix show. But I thought that show just got worse and worse as it got on. <laughs> You know. Um, Shall we move into the next question so we don't talk about Yeah, we should. So the next question comes from the nicest man in podcasting. It's Mark from the All of Time and Space podcast. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one over to you, David. Right. It just simply says, What is dark matter? What is dark matter? You know what? It's it'll be our, it's third reference this podcast. Marmite. <laughs> it's go. just space marmite. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I'm right in saying marmite doesn't interact with the electromagnetic spectrum, so it probably yeah. counts. I'd say so. Right. Um, um, okay. Next question comes from Frank David. Just says green or red grapes. Oh, red grapes. Right, well, you what about you, Matt? Green old. <laughs> really? Yeah, they just taste fresher. I can't believe I can't believe I've started a podcast with someone who prefers green grapes to red grapes. On honestly, like they they've just got that nice sweetness to them. They're just better. Maybe I tell you what, you know, it took it took us. 
<coughs> several years, but we've kind of got to the point where you've you've pretty much acknowledged that you like Doctor Who now. So we can probably pack in the Doctor Who yeah, uh, next uh, week premise of this podcast. Next, every week. I'm just no, no, years. it's no, it's specifically what we're going to do is I'm going to make you eat red grapes every week for four years until you admit that they're better than green grapes. <laughs> Yeah, in keeping with the theme of the pod. Yeah. But the answer is obviously green grapes. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, uh, then we got a message from Kimberly, who just says, what is the best way to eat potatoes? I mean, I don't know about you, Matt, I'm partial to using a knife and fork. I was going to say, just put them in your mouth and chew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're talking. If we're talking potato preparations, which I think is is, if we're being honest, the the heart of that question. Um, I don't know. I had a baked potato this evening. That was very nice. Have, have I ever told you my great potato theorem? No, you haven't. Okay. Do share. You know, in in the future, they'll be like. Freud's iceberg and Pavlov's dogs, and then there'll be Matt's potatoes. Alright? The less... I'm ready. The less a potato looks like a potato, the better it tastes. Right. Okay. So, so by the... You start... Okay, the, no, go on. Start at the very beginning. What is the worst type of potato to eat? And it's those horrible little boiled new potatoes. They're just rank. I hate them. They're too silty okay. and chalky. Okay. So then you move into a jacket potato, which is just a potato you've put in the oven. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. I'm not doubting that. But it tastes better than that. But does it taste as good as a roast potato? No, it doesn't, David. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then... You move into the realm of mash, which I think mm-hmm. is superior to roasting. I do love a roasting, but mash is my go-to potato. Okay. Right. Then things get a bit more abstract, and you move into the realm of the chip. Okay. Okay. We, you know, we all like chips. We do. From there, you move into potato waffles. Uh-huh. Then you move into potato smileys. Yeah. And finally, alpha bites. <laughs> and alpha bites, you think, are, are the... Uh, uh, are the top, yeah. So there's some the outliers. Top. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, potato dauphinois. Yeah. You know, because you've added cream. And I, I'm going to say this. This is, might be controversial, but potato dauphinois are absolute junk. I hate them. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had one, you know. Uh, it's as bad as... People, like, the one food that I hate more than anything is cauliflower. And everyone's always like, right. have you tried cauliflower cheese? Yeah, I have. It's grim. It's it's horrible. <laughs> it looks like a plate of white sick. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. The okay. lesser potato so, looks like a potato, the better it tastes. So, I mean... I mean, I, 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 does, does a Pringle look less like a potato than an Alpha Bite? Yeah, but they're actually made of just sawdust. and No, it's, it is technically reconstituted potato, so, you know. Okay. 
I, I'm trying to think of something that is further removed from a potato while still technically being made a potato. And I think Pringles top it. Yeah. And plus, you've got, like, wallpaper paste that's made of the starch from potatoes. So that's another extraneous result. <laughs> yeah. That so so by, by your theory, that is the ultimate yeah, potato wallpaper paste. So... You know, I've had to omit some data to make my findings work, but isn't yes, that just what science yeah. is? So. <laughs> I don't know. I. It's hard to top a roasty, though, isn't it? If it's done, if you've got... Look, what I'll say is roasties hit and miss. I, That's the trouble with the roasty. It the depends prob- who's in is... charge and how committed they are to getting a good result. So, recently... I, I bought some Aunt Bessie's roasties to put in the yeah. oven. And the first time I cooked them, I was like, they're not cooked enough. They were okay, but they weren't crispy. So the yeah. second time I was like, right, they're having 15 minutes extra. And it makes no difference, David. I'm up to nearly half an hour extra in the oven above the recommended cooking time. They're like... They're like <laughs> Flame-proof these asbestos potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, that, you know, that's on you, isn't it, Matt? You bought frozen roast potatoes. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not in any way saying they're as good as, like, homemade proper roasties, but it was just a welcome change to chips. You know, sometimes I go waffles, I suppose. sometimes I go hash browns, you know, mix it up. Do you, do you ever branch out to a curdy fry? I don't mind them. I tell you what I do hate is sweet potato fries. <sighs> yeah, not not proper potato, is it? No, it's just like this weird orange gel. <laughs> that's like... Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I know I know the clues in the name. Sweet potatoes are a bit too sweet for me. I I I detest like, them. You you can you can drown those fuckers in gravy, and they still taste too sweet. Rather than that, what you need is a nice carrot and swede mash. Replace sweet potatoes with that, and you're on to a winner. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's probably enough potato have, chat. Have we <laughs> mentioned we did we're potatoes in the podcast. MCU? Didn't we? Yeah. What's that? Have, have we mentioned say this week that we're a Doctor Who podcast? <laughs> uh, right at the start, in we the alluded to it. Of terms. Yeah. I've started listing our podcast as lifestyle. <laughs> I used to list it as sci-fi comedy. Now it's lifestyle comedy. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Um, right. Shall we talk that, about that's it? That's 45 minutes of random rubbish. Let's bash this next bit out in five and I can watch the end of The Apprentice before bed. I mean, I'll be honest, Matt. I said, I said earlier, we'll have stuff to talk about. We will have some stuff. I, maybe not masses. For what on paper should have been, I think, quite a significant episode. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the temptation of Sarah Jane Smith felt a bit superfluous. It, what do you think, Matt? It, when I finished watching it. I, I was like, that was a good episode. I was even like, that might be best episode of the series. But then right. I was like, no, it wasn't. Like, the villain's <laughs> a bit rubbish. The premise, 
I mean, I, I think I've seen this exact premise done in Torchwood and Doctor Who and done better in both instances. Yes, I mean, what I was going to say is it basically, it feels like a mashup of Father's Day and Turn Left. Mm. Yeah, and that's a point. Where were those little dinosaurs? The Reaver, Reapers, whatever they're called. Ah, oh, don't need them. Don't need them. Yeah. You've got, you've got, got Rodney's mum in a quarry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there was just a lot of loose threads chucked together and... Yeah. I don't know. Look, I feel like the, the ambition is there with this episode. But I think it... It struggles with the execution and it pales in comparison to the Doctor Who episodes that it, as I say, feels like it's borrowing heavily from. Really, you've got two-thirds Father's Day, one-third turn left, and you've also got returning villains from a series one well, Sarah Jane story it, as well. So there's not that. much of... Yeah. Because... Um... You know, I can't remember. It was this series. We watched an episode and it was like, I'm going to have vengeance, Sarah Jane. And I thought, is that a classic Doctor Who villain coming back? Well, yeah. when we saw the trickster and it was like, you won't beat me this time. I was like, all oh, right, that, that's a classic villain. I'll Google that. And it just said, <laughs> nope, season one. I had no recollection of this villain. I need a grasp. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they go- featured in the same it, episode last time. Yeah, but then when I Googled it, it, it kept saying, oh, Maria did it. Uh, is that a big Finnish story? And then I, I had to check. I was like, is that Bannerman Road and Beyond or whatever it's called on Big Finish? No, it's an episode yeah. I've watched and cannot remember. <laughs> like, I know Sarah Jane's mate doesn't die and she does instead. I, I got that bit. Yeah. But... Yeah. And also, yeah, no, it's yeah. Okay, go on. I, I'm gonna ring the alarm when we get to it in our synopsis, but this story has the stupidest thing in any episode of Sarah Jane Adventures. I'm looking forward to that, Matt. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we dive in then? Okay, so we are discussing the temptation of Sarah Jane Smith. It is the fifth story of season two. We've only got one more to go next week. Or next night, whenever. Uh, This initially aired on the 17th and 28th of November, 2008. Written by Gareth Roberts. Directed by Graham Harper. Good times. Graham Harper, does that that name ring a bell to you, Matt? I mean, no. I've mentioned him before. I mentioned this this factoid every time. He's the only uh, only director to have directed both uh, classic Who and New Who. Did you know that the guy that plays the trickster is the only person to have appeared in Doctor Who, Sarah Jane Adventures, Torchwood, and Class? I didn't. There's That's some, cool. There's some trivia for you. Right. Yeah. So the episode opens where Harry Potter is being chased by Sarah Jane. I'm glad you said that, Matt, because that was my first thought as well. Yeah, just some little dweeb getting chased around. (laughs) So Clyde grabs him, and it turns out there's a time fissure. I don't think we've had a time fissure before, have we? We've had a time breach, a time hole. Yeah. 
First time for a finger. They just they're slowly working their way through the thesaurus. Yeah. So Luke wants to use it to see what it's like going back in time, but Sarah Jane wants to close it. Uh, we find yeah. out the little boy is called Oscar, and Sarah Jane offers to walk him home through the fissure. Uh, mm. It turns out they're near Foxgrove in 1951, and I guess I was supposed to know what that meant. I don't think you are in the moment. I think we're just supposed to know it's obviously significant to Sarah Jane Smith. So, anyway, Sarah Jane goes home. Uh, Unless, is is that the name of the village in uh, Canine and Company? Uh, it you? might be. I've, I've not re-watched it. Uh, you just talk to the listeners whilst I Google that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say, say to your listeners. Did you enjoy this story? I have a I have a horrible feeling that it's a well beloved one and uh, we're going to be really down on it. So uh, I do apologise if that's disappointing to you, but you know um, we are always unfailingly honest. Uh, Wikipedia doesn't list it. Oh well, there we go. No, I think I think we're just supposed to to recognise that it's significant to to Sarah oh, Jane. No, it's set in the fictional English village of Morton Harwood. Well, there we go. Um, anyway, so, yeah, Sarah Jane returns Oscar, who we find out works for the trickster who wants revenge. I put a little star there, because that's the exact moment I googled who the trickster is. <laughs> right, so, after the credits, Sarah Jane refuses to interfere with time and goes home instead. Everyone suspects that she's upset. And yeah. I... I don't know how I would feel if I was a young person watching this when it aired. Like, would would I really care about the plight of a middle-aged woman? Well, this is the thing. I mean, I, I and I will say it is to this show's credit, and is is an it's an example of the remarkable power of Doctor Who. This show doesn't get made without Doctor Who. Nobody is going around commissioning a show where the title for kids, where the title character is like a woman in her fifties. I, I think I said it before we started watching this. I, I was under the impression that it was a show about children for children. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind it, it it's this kind of middle ground, isn't it? Where. I think that they're aware that there's going to be a lot of middle-aged blokes watching as well. Yeah, losers. <laughs> God, I mean, it's bad enough watching. Imagine having to record a podcast about it as well. Can you? Yeah. What kind of sad way would commit to of that? Your week. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, when Sarah Jane goes home, she asks Mister Smith about uh, Foxgrove. And it's the first time Mr. Smith appears where she doesn't say, Mr. Smith, I need you. And I was like, oh, get in. We finally moved past that. Uh, oh, have we? Yeah. So Sarah Jane again looks at the picture of her parents from last week. And Luke interrupts asking about her past and her parents. Um, they died when she was a baby, having driven into a tractor. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, just put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that later. We uh, surely are. And Oscar, when he revealed the date, says that he'd gone back a month before they died. So Luke encourages Sarah Jane to go see them. Um, but she suspects it's not just a bad idea. It's probably a trap. Um, yeah. It's such... A deceptive trap that the first thing she does is get changed and go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the whole premise is, um, you know, it's a story of being tempted to do something that you know is not not the the sensible course of action, and also, you know, let's be honest, the doctor would do just the same. The Doctor is like the king of, oh, it's a trap, let's go anyway, so we can figure out why they want to trap us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, she goes again to the time fissure, which closes with Luke having followed her whilst Oscar watches on. Whilst they're back in time, Clyde goes to their house and realises they're missing. So, he goes... To get the Rani. Who... Yeah. They, like, I noticed when Luke and Sarah Jane went out, they didn't lock the door. But Clyde and Rani... No, just I went, think that's why why they just wander in and out as they please. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be absolutely enraged if you took that attitude to my home. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. this time Rani does Mr. Smith, I Need You. Yeah. So it turns out anyone can do that. And he suspects that they've gone back in time because he has no reading on them at all. There's no energy signature, yeah. so they've been displaced. Um, this is where the Grask box from last series, that little MacGuffin I'd forgotten entirely about, um, yeah. starts beeping and glowing and they think it's going to help them open the fissure uh, Luke and Sarah Jane go to what I have described as the most joyless village fate ever represented on television <laughs> and I don't know to really drive home it's a village fate everything is happening at once there's a sack race going on whilst there's a coconut shark. Like, stagger your events. There's only about 12 people there. I don't know, Matt. I was going to say, I've... I, 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 was, I was raised in a, in a uh, Christian household. I've been to some pretty joyless fates in my time, I can yeah. tell you. Um... Yeah, um, and uh, I, I want to acknowledge as well here the way this episode attempts to use colour grading to convey time periods and, and things, which in the case of the, the, all the 50s set stuff means that it, it has this really garish look to it. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that, Matt? Yeah, it's like it, I, I compared this uh, to uh, assaultively bright. 
Am I right in thinking it's when we watch the demons? There's like the Maypole parade and everything. Yeah. And I, I thought that was so much like it was just a better representation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, oh well, we're, you know, uh, you see what they're going for. Um, I I have a feeling I, I this must have been filmed at like you know those like heritage museums. Yeah. Where they've just got like some old pretend shops. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been filmed at one of those kinds of places, mustn't it? I I would think so. Yeah. The village was a little bit too picturesque, wasn't it? It it was. It was very tidy. It didn't. It didn't quite look lived in. So, uh, they see baby Sarah Jane. They hear a voice call Sarah Jane, and it's her mum yeah. Barbara with Sarah Jane as yeah. Uh, baby so sarah jane goes to say hello and her dad i believe he's called eddie appears too Mm -hmm. so to give themselves pseudonyms sarah jane and luke pretend to be victoria and david beckham which entirely dates this episode it does also bit weird (laughs) that they would uh choose the names of a married couple yeah when you know. think about the fact that we're supposed to buy them as a mother-daughter relation, uh, mother-son relationship, even, um, yeah. I don't know who would uh, who would your pseudonym be? Oh, you're putting me on the spot now, Matt. Um. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's really hard. That's <laughs> to be honest, I could probably just stick with my own name because it's. The, the 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 first name and surname are both so absurdly common that it wouldn't even be a coincidence. Yeah. I, I'd stick with Matt, but change my surname to Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my WhatsApp yeah. messages. Anyway, let's move on, David. <laughs> yeah. So, Sarah Jane pretty much just loses her mind at this point. And is like she no, does a I, bit, doesn't she? It, it seemed really out of character. She was just yeah. like, I, "I need to follow my mum. I need to go see what's going on." That's me as a baby. Yeah, just chill. Um, I mean, the thing, the thing is, the thing is, look, I, I, I get it. I get what they're going for, and I think it's if we were being honest with ourselves, if we were in Sarah Jane's shoes, we wouldn't be thinking rationally in that moment. However, I feel like. And I'm sorry that I'm going to keep comparing these episodes, but if you cast your mind back to Father's Day, Rose is 18 years old. It is super believable that she would act as rashly as she does in that story. Mm-hmm. Sarah Jane Smith has travelled with the Doctor for a significant period and subsequent to that devoted her entire life, we're led to believe, believe uh to you know the studying of alien phenomena and time weirdness and all the stuff that she encountered with the doctor so it's a much much bigger stretch yeah she's the rational totem of strength in this show yeah it just seems really out of character for me yeah yeah especially Especially what she does a little later. So, whilst that's happening, Oscar, 
the little Harry Potter boy begins taunting Luke. Uh, Clyde and the Rani try to open the fissure as the grasp cube goes mad. Uh, yeah. Sarah Jane ultimately realises she's been getting this wrong and decides it's time to go home. Uh, Luke has taken a newspaper as a little souvenir uh, mm -hmm. and he asks Sarah Jane if it, that's okay. But it turns out that uh, Oscar had been lying to them and it's not a month before Sarah Jane's parents die. It's the day yeah. that her parents die. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So she contemplates vandalising her parents' car uh, yeah. to make sure they can't drive off. I thought she was going to do such a bad job that they just get in it and it blows up. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, actually, she could have caused all this. Um, yeah. But there's also a nice mention of Peladon here. She's like, all those there people is. I've saved. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know I love a yeah, Peladon we get, story. We get... Yes, indeed. Now, having said that, you still only watched the one, and there are two available. Yeah. I, I just went to tell myself I've watched the better one. And that's all that matters. You definitely haven't. Okay. Oh, maybe I'm in for a trick. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying... I'm, I, I like both of them, but, but uh, the first one's best. Okay. Um, so, Sarah Jane again goes mad, disrupts the car engine. This causes the whole world to go a bit mad. Uh, yeah. The grasp... The grasp cube, sorry, glows red and Oscar yeah. steps through the fissure because he is the Grask. <sighs> Genuinely didn't see that coming. That was a fun reveal, I feel like. I, I couldn't remember whether he had the ability to shapeshift in the last... Time. I don't think he did, but but I'm presuming he's been, he's been given some tech by the trickster or something. Right. Um, so yeah, he chases Clyde and Rani. I don't know why they didn't just kick him really hard. Either that, or just keep running, because, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be sizeist, but he does only have little legs. Oh, yeah, they, they run for I ages, feel... stop, have a full conversation, <laughs> and you kind of see him waddling towards them in the background. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just like, just on a purely, like, logistical level, it's not hard to un... un uh, excuse me. It's not hard to outrun a grasp, is it? No. Also, I can't remember if I, I've told I, you I this. could do that, and I'm not a fit man. I... Uh, towards the back end of last year, I yeah. did a guest appearance on the Cloister Bell podcast where we played the bbc red button interactive game uh oh yes yeah attack of the grask that's the one like yeah they're the most tactically inept race in doctor who <laughs> they're, they're not they're not a they're not a, a, a top tier foe it's no. fair to say no um yeah especially they outsmart it just by hiding behind some bins um uh, <laughs> Then my exact phrase in here is London is a right bloody mess when Sarah Jane gets back and the trickster yeah. arrives. So yeah, that's the end of episode one. 
Yes. So, episode two opens with us finding out that this precise point in 1951 is a weak point in the web of time. We've heard the web of time before, haven't we? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. My main association with the web of time is a, is a lot of Big Finish stuff. Yeah. Like, um, a lot of Eighth Doctor That's era right. Big Finish That's stuff did a lot of stuff with watched, Web of Time. Listen to that uh, Charlie thingy. Yeah, Charlie Pollard. That's it. I couldn't work out. And I, I'm glad I can finally put my finger on where we've heard it. I couldn't work out if Web of Time was something relevant I should have remembered or if it's just a throwaway f- f- uh, phrase that's been a bit overused. I think possibly the latter. Um, mm. I mean, certainly it was used as a ge- as an intentional story arc within Big Finish, but I feel like it. Pro- I would. I. I'm not. I'm not someone who's lived and breathed classic Who all my life, so I can't tell you off the top of my head whether or not it's ever a phrase that has cropped up in classic Who. It might be that it that it has once or twice, and then the Big Finish writers took that and made a meal of it because you know a lot of the people writing for big finish were of that generation who'd been watching since like the second doctor era and had never let go of doctor who they were like that first generation of fan turned writer mm-hmm. um so i think yeah it wouldn't surprise me if that if that's the case but anyway i feel like its use was intentional here right uh, so Sarah Jane and Luke go back to 1951 whilst Clyde and the Rani hang out in a quarry following the Grask. Uh, Sarah Jane refuses to kill her parents and set everything right, but in yeah. doing so, the trickster has begun entering 1951. So that's how modern London is so destroyed because the trickster appears in 1951 and does all this bad stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sarah Jane. And this is where we get this is where we get the sort of turn left portion of the story, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, were you excited to see the TARDIS appear? I liked this gag. I liked the execution of it. I um, saw it coming a mile yeah. away. That I mean. Sometimes, though, you know, I feel like sometimes there are gags that are so obvious that you just have to do them. You're duty bound. Mm. It it would feel like a missed opportunity if they hadn't done it. And what I particularly like about it is that they went to the effort of including the um, the Doctor's theme from uh, the show at that point. You know the. Uh-huh. You know that whole thing, uh, which which was the perfect choice to then immediately just puncture that balloon. Um, so yeah, I, I it could have been naff, but they I thought they pulled it off well. Yeah, because it's not really the TARDIS; it's just a, a police box, just an yep. actual police box. Yeah. It does make you wonder, though, what was that policeman just doing standing inside? Well, I, I thought that. Like, what, what did all policemen do inside a little tiny shed? 
<laughs> well, you know, you know what they were actually used for, right? Just to keep up the rain. The, well, one, it was, you know, you had the phone line so that you could call the police easily from them. And I think they could make, they, they probably had a means of knowing which police box was calling and therefore where the scene of the crime was that was being reported. And also the reason they had that little cabinet was it was basically they could use it as a temporary holding cell. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if they caught some ne'er-do-well and they had to wait for someone to turn up with a car, they could chuck them in the box and lock the door mm-hmm. until such time as uh, the backup had arrived. So, you know, you understand, the yeah, I understand the principle of them, but, yeah, why there was a policeman just standing inside one waiting for someone to knock at the door? Yeah. <laughs> Who also, knows? It was weirdly just down, like, a little alley as well. Yeah. What if, head cannon? what if it was an actual Time Lord? Just a different Time Lord? Yeah. <laughs> with, a fun- with a functioning... Yeah, it was it was it was a TARDIS. They had but they had a functioning chameleon circuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anyway, right. let's move on. Um, so, um, Clyde and the Rani again are spying on the Grask, who has enslaved Rani's mum. She doesn't know them or Rani's dad, so Rani would never exist. She does, however, yeah. say that Sarah Jane handed the world to the trickster. Okay, and there's something about an abbot's gateway. They also ask yeah. at this point, why does the grass work for the trickster? How how did they come to be? I'm glad that was explained because I was really I, it's it it was it's been bothering me for a while, but. Yeah. It really has. It's been eating away at me, that question. Similar circles. Yes. Yeah, how did this unlikely pairing come to be? Yeah. Uh, Sarah Jane and Luke returned to... Do you think that's how, that's how we even started? <laughs> like, when they were in the writer's room, they had a whiteboard up, and, you know, there was, no, there was no mention of just, like, what if Sarah Jane met her parents? It was all just like... How did the grass end up working for the trickster? That's like circled 17 times. The way I saw it was that they went to school together and the trickster worked really hard and was successful whilst the grass fell on hard times. So right, in later life, right. we did him a bit of a favour just to help him out. I see, I see. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Uh, so Sarah Jane and Luke returned to her parents and Barbara agrees to help Sarah Jane. Clyde mm-hmm. demands an audience with the Grask, who tells them that the trickster stole him, so he rescued him from a burning uh, spacecraft, and the Grask says, mm. look, I'll, I'll help you, Clyde, but I need that Grask cube as payment. I need to get away yeah. from uh, the trickster. What, what, Can- what's the trickster's end game here? I know... He, he gets the minerals and he goes planet to planet. But yeah, like... I think he wanted, he needed the resources so that he could build his empire and extend his reach. But look at the state I think of it's his he... empire. It's just like 20 people in a quarry. Yeah. <laughs> Sass budget cuts for you. Isn't yeah. it? Look, I, I think I think it is just your, your classic, um, just universal domination shtick. 
with the trick. So I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Um, can, uh, look, I don't want to be too down on everything, but I feel like we need to acknowledge as well the execution of the grass flashback sequences is oh, very yeah. poor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's one step up from him sitting in a cardboard box with a paper plate as a steering wheel. Yeah, he, he's sat in a bath, <laughs> but they're shaking and turning the lights on and off. <laughs> And then they superimpose some, some very flat CGI fire on top of it. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, that. dear. Yeah. Right. Poor, I mean, Sarah Jane Adventures, credit where it's due. They're not letting a little thing like having a tiny budget stop them, are they? No. They're going for it. Right. Um, then, where are we up to? Yeah, so he opens the fissure and Rani goes alone. <laughs> So Sarah Jane's dad eats a cheese sandwich. I was worried we weren't going to get a focus on food this week. We normally get what's for dinner in the Rani household. Uh, this time, yeah, you know, we got cheese. This sandwich. time, cheese sandwich. Yeah, uh, the Rani arrives, and obviously, there's 1950s sensibilities uh, about her being there, and yeah. she asks for Sarah Jane, but of course, that's just the baby. Uh, she says yeah. that in front of Barbara, who starts to be cottoning on to what's happening. Uh, did, you, she... did you mention that this was... Sorry, just thinking. This just thought has just struck me. Did you mention this was written by Gareth Roberts? Uh, it was, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad that, that we had that reaction with Ran, Rani. I feel like... Um, this is a degree of atonement for what he did in the Shakespeare Code, which, if you recall, was the episode where Martha goes back in the past and the Doctor just says, "Ah, oh, don't worry, just uh, act like you own the place, works for me. Mm. And that was all the acknowledgement we got of the fact that Martha might have a tricky time in uh, a less progressive society. Right. Uh... Uh, which, which was, yeah... Also written by Gareth Roberts. So they talk about the cracking time at the Abbot's Gateway. Yeah. And Sarah Jane's dad uh, talks to Barbara and they realise everything they touch dies and falls apart. Uh, Luke yeah. tells Sarah Jane that they need to repair the car. At this point, Barbara begins working everything out. Yeah. Uh, so. And again, that's just an that's just a straight lift from Father's Day, isn't it? We had that scene mm -hmm. in in Father's Day, uh, which was so effective there. And look, okay, technically different shows, yeah, you know, so we can't assume everyone's seen it, but ninety percent of the people watching this will have already seen Father's Day. Yeah. So it seems weird to me to be playing the exact same emotional beats. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sarah Jane concedes defeat, says she won't kill her parent, but now they offer to go, and they accept doing so will give their daughter a better life. So, they leave baby Sarah Jane with Sarah Jane. 
they all have a cuddle and say goodbye, never once acknowledging Luke, their daughter's son. <laughs> right? And then this just is completely the bit disinterested. That had me in in stitches laughing about it when I thought the more I thought about it, the stupider it got. Yeah. So we know they died by driving into a stationary <laughs> tractor. Yes. So yeah. did they just get in the car, go down the road, see it in the distance and think, oh, good enough? <laughs> Rev the engine and just... Or do you think they had like a series of like near misses where they tried? <laughs> like, oh, we've gone off the edge of a cliff and we're okay. We best just plow into a tractor. Like, oh, God. they will have had to have had that conversation and just gone, oh, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Smash into a truck. If you knew you had to kill yourself to save the world, yeah. I think driving into a stationary tractor would be low on the ways of fulfilling that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Plus, it's an old 1950s car. It's probably got a top speed of about 30 miles an hour. <laughs> These are all very valid thoughts, Matt. I mean, what what I what I struggle with more broadly is just the, the 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 rapidity with which they accept. Right? Okay. Yep. Fair point. We better go and kill ourselves. Nice yeah. knowing you. It's like when when we reach that point in Father's Day, it feels so earned, and you really truly believe that Pete Tyler has pieced it all together and he knows that this is the only way to end it. And he's seeing with his own eyes, you know, people being swallowed up by these horrible demonic creatures. Mm. But here it's just, you know, it, it, it just, it's gone a bit stormy at a village fate. And that's yeah. that's all the evidence that these young people need to go and voluntarily get themselves in a car like, accident. Like it's you know, yeah. David is quite a common name. If you it were in is, town yeah. with me and I shouted David, and someone yeah. had a little baby David, and they were like, "Oh, are you my son from the future? Whose brain works <laughs> like that?" It wouldn't have been my first thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, it's, but I, like I say, I think to me, this is, it's all a matter of execution, isn't it? Because like I say, in terms of the plot points, they're pretty much identical. Um, but, Father's Day lands it with with conviction and aplomb mm -hmm. and this it's just it feels like Amdram compared to that it feels like some people have seen Father's Day and thought oh yeah we could do that we'll have a bash at it and it doesn't it just doesn't convince me in the same way mm -hmm. yeah anyway uh, yeah, so they're off to drive into a tractor. This causes the trickster to disappear and it starts to put everything right. Uh, Clyde frees the grass. Sarah Jane opens Hooray. the treasure, and they all go home. Now, we didn't mention this earlier, but 
Sarah Jane's yeah. parents quite often wrote each other little notes, and that's how we're oh, proposed. Yes, yeah. And we see at the yeah. end of the episode that um, the picture she's been looking at on the back, it says, Mr. Smith, I need you. So is Mr. Smith the computer, Sarah Jane's husband, or her dad? <laughs> it's got to be one or the other, has it? Yeah. Like, she could have called it anything. She could have called it Thomas. <laughs> if you had a supercomputer, uh, what would you call it? Uh, what I would want to do is give it some kind of, like, acronym name. Okay. Maybe... Maybe I'd call it... You know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to call... I would call my supercomputer Matt, but Matt would stand for... Uh, like mechanized automatic time traveler there we go yeah yeah, there you go yeah something like that i love those things where it's where it's just a really tortured acronym yeah to spell out a really common word or name (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like i say at the time watching this i thought yeah good episode didn't mind that now I don't even know if I'd go bad episode some good bits. It was okay, wasn't it? I don't know. I, it, look, the idea that I, they I, convinced I th- themselves to drive into a tractor has really soured this episode for me. <laughs> it is ludicrous. But, look, I feel like I've done nothing but complain the whole way through, and I feel bad about that because, broadly speaking, there was never a point watching this where I felt like it wasn't entertaining. Or that it it was incoherent or anything like that. It's 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 really competent, mm-hmm. um, especially given given the budgetary limitations they were under. I think that would be my biggest criticism is that you know it's trying to present a story with apocalyptic potential consequences, but the way the only way they can convey that is. Um, some some rumbles of thunder, a grey colour grating, and a, and a handful of extras in a quarry. Mm. Um, and that does lessen the impact. It does. Uh, it's sad to say. So, um, yeah, we, but anyway, uh, it's the finale next time, Matt. Yeah. Do you want to know yeah, what it's sorry. called? Uh, go on. It's called Enemy of the Bane. Oh, they're back. They're back. Oh, I might have to re-watch Invasion of the Bane to just remind myself because I remember so little about that pilot, Matt. But also most of the characters from that pilot <laughs> have subsequently been written out of the show. <laughs> it feels that way. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, but anyway... Yeah, I think that probably about does it for um, for uh, Sarah Jane Adventures this week. Um, as always, thanks ever so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. 
If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. First complaint for the episode. Yeah? You keep saying Thornbury Henders, it's Thornborough Henders. Did I say Thornbury? Thornbury, you said. It's Thornborough. Thornborough. There you are. Well, there we are. Yeah. I didn't think you could hear me from upstairs. (laughs) There you go, listeners. I've been corrected on my pronunciation. I thought maybe I'd said Thornbury. Corrections and confirmations. Yeah, there we go. I thought maybe I'd said uh, Thornaby because um, there's obviously um, Thornaby. Is it? Where is Thornaby? I'm Thornaby's up now. near sure. Teesside Park. Well, there you go. Yeah, I knew I'd seen it on road signs and things. Um, Thornaby's anyway. the train station you go to if you want to go to Teesside Park, but it means you've got to run across the A19. <laughs> Yeah, which is not something I'd advise people to do. No. Uh, anyway, apologies, listeners, whilst you... I think listeners must be very used to this at this point, right? Yeah. Me, me having to make my way upstairs mid, uh, mid-podcast. This is the trouble. We don't, I don't really have a dedicated room that I can record in, and uh, we try and sync it up with Little Zorbs' bedtime, which means, of course, inevitably... At some point in proceedings, um, my partner wants to go downstairs, and uh, we have to do the old switcheroo. Um, right, okay, I'm all settled in. <laughs>